You know, we uh, talk about this journey into the heart of God. Um, it's a journey to discover the depths of that which we have not yet discovered. And um, given what we've been through the last two years, we might feel, well, I'm not ready for that. And I was, I was talking to the Holy Spirit this week. And, um, you know, I was praying, Lord, make, make me more hungry. You know, that there's still stuff that I'm holding on to. And then I pray, like, Lord, I, I'm supposed to pastor this church, so, you know, make them all hungry as well. That would be good. But how do we become hungry for the things of God when we're not? How do we do that without just kind of forcing ourselves for a few weeks? Because... The thing about forcing ourselves is it peters out after a few weeks. You know, there's a, a phrase, isn't there? We can do nothing of ourselves. And uh, Phil was talking about this in the prayer meeting. He was talking about abiding in Jesus. That we've got to be linked to where there is the ability to become hungry. And so that ability to become hungry comes from the Holy Spirit. You know, we, we can say, Lord, I recognize that I'm not hungry at the moment, that I've got all sorts of priorities, all sorts of ideas, all sorts of things going on. But I don't want to be found hungerless. I don't want to be found to have lost my desire and my excitement for you. So I'm just, I'm going to ask you to stand if you want that, because here's where hunger comes from. Hunger comes from the Holy Spirit. We can't hunger for the Holy Spirit without the Holy Spirit making us hungry. And here's the good news. When you were born again, the Spirit came to live in you. So that hunger is there in you. That desire for more of the things of God is in you. So we're just going to wait. And if you are willing and desiring the Holy Spirit to stir up that hunger in you. I don't want you to take that lightly. Because if he does, it's going to cost you. Jesus said, don't set off without counting the cost. It's going to cost you.
it's going to cost you because you've got to make the time. And God's going to start dealing with some things in your life. And he's going to start healing some things in your life. And he's going to start putting some things right in your relationships. And he's going to ask us to lay down our pride. And our, our self-focus and our self-centeredness. And it's going to cost. So I don't want you to take it lightly. I want you to count the cost. That if you ask the Holy Spirit to stir hunger, that's what he'll do. And I'm just going to do something really simple. I'm going to pray the same prayer as I prayed for myself. And I'm just going to ask him to move in your life, in your heart, and stir hunger in your heart. And so we're saying, well, remember what it was like to be hungry. Well, now's the time to be there again. Well, I'm older. I've got family. I've got kids. I've, you know, I've done all this. There's this. There's my job. There's... You think the Holy Spirit doesn't know that. But we are his. He bought us. He paid for us with the price. And he's offering us all of himself. Don't miss that. So Holy Spirit, we come to you now. And I'm asking you to create that hunger for you that I do not have myself. That desire, not just for the next 10 minutes or the next 20 minutes, but for the next days and weeks and months. A hunger that doesn't just settle, but grows. That the more I discover of you, the more I find there is more of you. And I want to know that too. The more time I spend with you, I begin to discover it's no longer enough. Because you are there. I'm meeting you. I'm getting to know you. And Lord, I ask you to restore our passions. That passion that you birthed in our heart to go after you with everything that we have. Not to be known as nice people, but to be known as people who look like Christ. Lord, creating us something extraordinary. Your image. Your image. Your image. Lord, take my heart and where it is not of you, where there's too much flesh, where there's any flesh, you just take it. 
rid of our pride. Get rid of my pride. Just take it. Take it, Holy Spirit. Glory to you. Glory to you, Jesus. So Holy Spirit, come right now. Come and move in our hearts and do that for which we have asked. Praise your Holy Spirit. Praise your Holy Spirit. Last week I was talking about how prayer is a giving of ourselves. I'm not talking about corporate prayer. I'm talking about personal prayer. And it's a giving of ourselves. And the more that we give of ourselves, the more he gives himself to us. That's, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Um, just as we just standing in his presence I just felt the Holy Spirit prompt this in me and I just want to speak it over us and just remind us um, Holy Spirit is saying where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom and the spirit of the Lord is Jesus and I just felt Jesus saying, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. So just as we're in this place and we're focusing and asking for more Holy Spirit, more of you, less of us, more of you, less of us. We have the fullness of Jesus in our spirit. And Holy Spirit wants that fullness to touch us fully and bring freedom. So as we yield to the Holy Spirit, he will take the things that are causing that heaviness, that weariness, the heavy burdens that we carry, the things that we face each day that are not easy. Maybe we're feeling grief. 
today. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. The Holy Spirit will take those words that Jesus said, and he will do what only he can do to ease those burdens, to give us the rest that we need, to heal our bodies. As we meet with him, it's the Holy Spirit's power that floods our bodies with healing from heaven. Jesus paid a costly price. It was costly to the Father. But he loves us so much. And the Holy Spirit wants us to yield to him so that he can come and bring the words of Jesus that are over us into our bodies, into our minds, into our souls. That we can exchange that spirit of heaviness, whatever our heaviness is, this morning for a garment of praise and that's what he's offering us as we yield to him Holy Spirit come yes he's with us he's always with us he's in our spirits when we become born again we get his precious spirit in connected to our spirit he promises never to leave us. But he wants to fill us. If you need the Holy Spirit filling you this morning, and you ask him, he's right there. And he'll fill us with the presence of God. And it all comes out of his love for us. Perfect love. Perfect love. His heart is so full of love for us. We can't earn that love. He loves us. And he sends his Holy Spirit so that we can feel that love. When the Holy Spirit is here, love 
is here. So as we've opened up our arms, our hearts to you, Holy Spirit, come, fill us afresh. We want to meet with you. We want to meet with Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you want to meet with us, that you want to be with us. Thank you. that we don't have to wait to get to heaven to receive from you because you brought heaven to earth. So Holy Spirit, fill us more and more and more that we will know the love of the Father, the precious presence of Jesus in our hearts and in this place this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, um, Jesus invites us to know him. Not just about him, but to actually know him. And when Jesus died for our sins, the things that we'd done wrong, and took that punishment, he opened up the way us to have a direct relationship with him, with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. And it says that we can now go boldly into his presence to find the help that we need and to encounter his grace. We can go boldly before the throne of grace. Boldly isn't arrogant. Boldly is humble. It's an assurance that that's okay. That's okay to go straight into the heart of God, into his throne room. But here's the thing. That takes time. It's not a time problem on God's side. It's a time problem on our side. And the more you do spend time with God, the more you do desire to enter into his presence, the more you do um, just quiet yourself and wait on him, the quicker it becomes. But it's never super quick. And that's not good for our generation. Sounds difficult 
You see, James puts it like this. He said, submit to God. Now, here's the thing. Submission isn't because God has beaten you into a corner for being a naughty person. Submission is voluntarily given. That's what, that's what the word there means. You voluntarily submit. What does it mean to submit? Well, you know, in that passage, it means that you desire to place yourself under God's arrangements. You desire to place yourself under his leading. You desire to do what he wants to do. That's what it means. And it's a horrible word we have to translate it, isn't it? Submit. We, we don't have, we miss the beauty of what he's saying there. You voluntarily desire to do what he wants to do. And so he says, submit to God. Resist the enemy because we live in a world of darkness. And the more you submit to God, the more you will encounter the enemy. The more enemy activity will pick up. We were uh, sharing with Loriana this week. We went to visit her in Birmingham. And uh, one of the things we were talking about is as you go after and voluntarily submit and follow Jesus, there is a pickup in enemy activity. There is a pickup in the demonic. And therefore, one of the things that we will have to pay the cost in is we're going to see some deliverance. Sooner or later, the enemy is going to start coming at us. But we have the authority over the enemy. But we have to use it. So we come under God's arrangement. We, we voluntarily decide to do what he wants to do. And we actively resist and overcome the devil. And all his plans. But he's going to come. And he's going to come in unexpected ways. And it says... And it almost seems like an afterthought, doesn't it? Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And you know, what it's saying there is, it's not, it's not like, oh, you know, sing a few songs and God will turn up. Or say a few prayers and God will turn up. Or read your Bible for 20 minutes and God will turn up. All of those are good things. But what it's really saying is, give you. Draw near is give you. And the more you give of yourself to him, the more he gives of himself to you. There is incredible authority and power that God has available for the people of God. But he wants to know, first of all, do you love him and can he trust you with that? Can he trust you if he gives you that power and authority 
that you will not use it for your glory, but for his. Not to build what you're doing, not to make yourself famous, but for his glory. This is about him. It's about his glory. The one who died for you when you didn't deserve him to die for you. It's about him. And he's saying, give yourself to me and I will give myself fully to you. And when I was talking to Nicola about worship this week, one, one of the things that I said was this, is it, it's not a bad bargain to give yourself fully to Jesus and get hold of him return in return. It's the best bargain in the universe. We're just too stupid to see it. And so we hang on to all this stuff, all this selfishness, all this pride, all these things that go on inside us and we worry about and we bother about. And you see, here's the thing. There is nothing like him. There's nothing else worth living for. You know, I'm a bit older than when we started this church. And the, the one thing I have really learned is that there is nothing else living for. And the longer you live, the more you realize that. That there's just nothing else worth living for. I'd love every single prayer I pray to be answered. Won't you? And yet, I don't see that yet. I want to see it, but I don't see it. I mean, I don't want my stupid prayers to be answered. I want my good prayers to be answered. I want the things that will glorify Jesus to be answered. I want the things that will reach people to be answered. I want more of him. I want that to be answered, and so does he. I want revival in this nation, and so does he. I want all those to be answered, but somehow it's kind of like, I want to believe, I want to believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I think I believe, I think, have I got enough faith? Have I not got enough faith? What is it? What's wrong with me? Why does it sometimes get answered? Why sometimes can I pray for somebody, and they get miraculously healed, and then somebody doesn't? Why, why is that? And so we can make all sorts of reasons up for why that is. But in the end, I want to know why it is. I don't want to make reasons up. I want to know why it is. And if it's me, I want to change. Sometimes we're just too proud to say it's us. So we blame God. Or we blame all the other unbelieving people. All, all, all sorts of things. And yeah, this is, this is what, this, this is where I'm trying to get to this morning. <laughs> Go with me to 1 John. If you want to, you don't have to. You, you know these verses. 
if you don't know these verses, you should know these verses. These are good verses to have in your little memory bank. Now, this is the confidence we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked for him. So end goal here, end promise, is we have what we've asked for. And, and, and we, we can come out with these verses as if knowing the verses and remembering the verses makes it happen. And we can come out with these things saying, you know, I'm confident that if I pray, God hears me and therefore I have what I ask for. So let it be, Lord. And then it isn't. But it sometimes is. And that's really frustrating. Oh, it's, well, it's good, but it's frustrating too. Because why isn't it always? And, and why do I have to struggle with these things in my prayer life? Why, why is that? Because people have got this and it's worked for them. It worked for the disciples. It worked for Jesus. Jesus, a man, fully man, full of the Holy Spirit, prays to his Father and it worked. So what, what's, what's the problem? The problem is, I don't know Jesus as much as I need to know Jesus. Because, you see, when you know Jesus, that opening word, now this is the confidence that I have in him. The confidence, my confidence, is in him. It's not in Jesus paid for this, or the covenant says I can have this, or the Holy Spirit's turned up with a particular anointing for this, or I just believe this because I'm a faith guy. No, it's my confidence is in him. And the only way I can have confidence in somebody is if I know them. And the more I know somebody, the more I have confidence in them. You know, I, when, when we first, we were living out in Foxton and this church started this little Bible study group and uh, we, we hired a worship leader and with this worship leader came this lovely girl to live in our house who we'd not met and she came to our house and we knew nothing about her except she was Sarah's friend. Now, 15 years on, we know Nick. I have trust and confidence in Nick. Sometimes I wish Nick had that same confidence in herself, but I've got confidence in her. Why? Because I know her. I know her heart. I know that when she does something stupid, she didn't mean it. And when she does something fantastic, I can celebrate with her because I know her. And that's how this works. You get confidence by knowing somebody. So if I don't know Jesus, it's really hard to have confidence in somebody. Because when you don't really know him, all this stuff goes through your head. Well, you know, he might be trying to, all that stuff, rubbish that you've heard over the years, but it's lodged in there. And you go, well, I don't believe that. 
But it's still lodged in there and it's still annoying. And it's the times that you didn't see what you wanted to see and it comes out and it's like, I'm not going to see it again. Because I don't know him. Because if I knew him, I'd see it. Because that's what it says. This is the confidence that we have in him. That word confidence, it means bold resolve. This is the bold resolve that I have in him. And you can tell when the Holy Spirit's moving, my H's have gone. And it means, it, it means bold resolve, but it also means frank openness. This is the frank openness I have with you, Jesus, about our relationship. Confidence in him is a product of relationship. Confidence in him is a product of relationship. And it's confidence in him, not apart from him. Or with a bit of him. It's in him. What am I saying? It's saying, I'm all out. I, I have no options but him. It's not me. Until our confidence is in him and entirely in him, we will not see what we hope to see. And our confidence comes from knowing him. So we give ourselves fully to him and he gives himself fully to us. Then it works. It works. Has to work. Because God cannot lie. And he wrote these words. You know, the second great principle of this private prayer, real prayer, is this, that you need, so the first principle, give yourself fully to him. It's a mutual giving. The second one, still your mind. Still your mind. How else are you going to hear him? If you don't still your mind. That, that's the biggest problem I have in my prayer times. Because I have a busy head. I don't know what your heads are like, but mine's a busy head. Joel like, often berates me. Like we'll, we'll be sat and we'll be having dinner with Roger and Olive or somebody else. And I'll say something. And it's because my head has gone like 64 steps down a, a conversation line. And they're not there anymore. And I'll come out with something and, and Cheryl will go, what? what? Where's that come from? It's because my head's really busy. It goes off on, on tangents and then comes out with very, very, I have to say, very, very profound things that are not where the conversation is. But they're good. They're good. They're very good. And that's the problem, isn't it? That life has speeded up. So when I say, still your mind, 
that's not a challenge so much if you're somebody who's living in the quiet countryside 400 years ago. It's now a challenge to even think about how would I do that? Jesus, well, the Holy Spirit wrote these words and they made their way into a psalm called Psalm 46. And you know it, don't you? Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. What does it mean to be still? Well, does it mean not moving? Because if it does, we're fidgeted now and it's not good, is it? What does it mean? Does it, what does it mean to be still and know that I am God? Because we know that verse, don't we? But what does it really mean for me when I'm struggling with a thousand things going on in my head and I want to spend time with the Holy Spirit and, and, and hear his voice? Those words, be still, in the original Hebrew means to drop your hands. Drop your hands. It also means to stop flapping your wings and land. It's applied to birds. It's when they come in and they land. Drop your hands. Stop flapping your wings. I heard Catherine Kuhlman say this, and, and she just something I was watching a while back, and she said that just as the moon cannot reflect off a restless sea, so God can't get to a quiet, unquiet mind. And, and these days, I find that really frustrating because there's so much noise, isn't there? We are surrounded with white noise. All this stuff that is going on. And everybody's lives are immediate to us in a way that they never were before. You see, when it, when it says still yourself, stop, drop your hands, stop, just stop. It's not going to be easy. So I meant, you know, one of the things that I meant that I said earlier, I think I said it, there's a cost. This is actually really difficult. It's actually really difficult to be still and know God. Not in a sense of it's difficult to sit in one place. I could never do that. I was one of those fidgety kids. It's a natural talent that I fidget. But it's not saying that. It's saying, stop flapping. Can get rid of that white noise because all this noise that's going on in our heads and around us cancels out the sound of the voice of the Spirit. It is literally white noise. You know, it's like those noise-canceling headphones. And so, you know, there's some things that I kind of... I don't know why I turned that over because I haven't been using it anyway, but there's nothing on it. <laughs> One of these things about these noise-canceling headphones is that they work. And we have to actually think about how do we get that cancelling out, out of the way so that we can hear the voice of the Spirit. And here's what, what I've discovered. I'm, I'm just going to go to Psalm 46. 
we might be coming back to this one because I'm not going to get there today. But you know, when you try and settle for, to pray, there's all these thought trails that go off. And I used to follow those thought trails because I thought that the Holy Spirit might be at the end of them. But what was at the end of them was a shopping list or a to-do list <laughs> or something. And what, what I've, I've been learning to do is when I find myself going out down these thought trails and, and these distractions come, to stop, say, I recognize what was happening there. I don't want to go there. I'm going to stop, I'm going to reset, and I'm going to wait again. And that is so frustrating. But we have to learn to do it. Just start waiting again. Just start waiting again. Do not take your phone or iPad or computer in that room. And if you're in there, take them out before you start. Because one of the really frustrating things I have noticed is that when I am deep in the presence of the Holy Spirit, my phone lights up. And I have a notification of something that I have turned notifications off from. But it still comes. My phone still lights up. Something happens. Don't have them in there. Then it doesn't happen. Well, I don't look at my phone. I bet you do. Here's the other thing. You know what I've done? I've taken all my lists of prayer points off the walls and got rid of them. Out of that room. Because I don't want to be bound to a list. And I don't want to be distracted by something I think I should be praying about when the Holy Spirit wants to talk to me about something he wants to talk about. They're not bad. They just shouldn't be there then. Because I know if they're there then, I'm going to look at them. Get it out of the way because this is not easy. It's really hard. You know, when he said, be still. I, I, I want to kill this one today. I, I know I've gone on a bit. But you know, If we, want, if we want all of what God is offering us, we have to stop looking at our watches. You don't have to bother. Just set your timer for your roast dinner an hour later. You won't die. It's not to be long for long's sake. It's to be long to give God the time. And if he's, if he's not here, then we'll all go home after 20 minutes. Because what's the point of doing church anymore if he's not here? Be still. So many people over the years have talked about just relax. Let God, you don't have to bother about anything. It works to do other than that. 
So just lie back and God will do it all. Let me put that in a different context. I have been married to this amazing woman for 34 years. If I just laid around on the settee for 34 years, said absolutely nothing to Cheryl, let her do everything, not even doing my husbandly duties of unstacking the dishwasher and cutting up onions wherever they may occur. If I just like not bothered, it's okay because Cheryl will do it all. What's the state of my relationship with Cheryl? I don't think we'd have made it to 34 years. We might have done because she's amazing and I'm not, but we might have got there. She might have just kept hanging on to me, you know. But this isn't works. This is relationship. You see, when the Bible talks about works, it talks about works of the law. And you don't want to get into those. You are not trying to prove you're good enough to God because let me tell you, without Jesus, you're nothing. You are not good enough. You are only good enough because he died for you. And now the good news is you are totally good enough for him because he gave himself for you. And you are now closed in him. You have his righteousness. You have his forgiveness. You have his payment made for you. And, and we've spent the last few decades realizing how much God loves us. And I've spent 34 years realizing how much Cheryl loves me. And that's good. It's amazing. It's wonderful. I'm glad we all know a lot more. We talk a lot more about how much God loves us and how his love does not depend on us any way whatsoever. That's grace. But here's the thing. Whilst grace remains, the season has changed. The season for the body of Christ, has changed. God has moved on because he thinks we've got that one. And hopefully we have. Here's the question. Not how much does God love me, because that is beyond question. Absolutely beyond question. He died for me. There's nothing more he could do for me. He died for me when I didn't like him, didn't care about him and didn't want him. He loves me. I'm his son. Here's the question. How much do I love him? How much do I love him? That's not works. That's a work of the spirit. The Bible talks about works of the law and works of faith. This is a work of faith. It talks about the things that God had prepared for us beforehand to walk in them. 
This is walking in the Spirit. Knowing Him. Laying aside ourselves. That's not work. That's an abandoning of our agenda. It's an acknowledgement that when Jesus died for me, he bought me. I'm, I'm the son of God because he paid for me. And I love him. But I want to love him more because I know there's bits of me that I don't want to give him. There's things I want to see and have and keep hold of. And I want to continue with some bad behaviours that I continue with. And, and you want to do all these things. And so I know that there's more. That I don't live for him the same way as he loves me. But I want to. So I'm believing the Holy Spirit that that would happen. So it's not relax and do nothing. Be still is actually a battle. How many of you know it's a real battle to be still with no distractions going on in your head, all that stuff, all that white noise out of the way so you can hear the voice of the Spirit? It's a battle and you're going to have to fight it. You can't just lie there and give in to it. Thinking, oh, the Holy Spirit will do it for me. No, because you have an enemy that doesn't want to go there and you have some horrible flesh that doesn't want to go there. So somehow you've got to find your spirit, your new nature that is desperate to go there. And it's cheering you on to go there. And it's, it's rising up inside you saying, we've got to get past this. We've got to find our way to Jesus. And here's the thing. And I'm going to finish with this. And I'll pick it up next time maybe. What are you going to hear when you get there? The one with all wisdom, all power, all authority, all knowledge is there waiting for you. The other side of that noise. And what are you going to hear? And this is where we have an incredible capacity to be disappointed. Because you might not start with the thing you want. In fact, I can almost guarantee he's not going to start with the thing you want or the thing you're trying to get to him for. You see, the Holy Spirit has a certain, I don't like the word, but an obsession. He's, he's wired in a certain way. And the Holy Spirit is wired in this way. He's wired to glorify Jesus. So the first thing he's going to start doing, when you get past that noise, and you're still, and you're in his presence, and that weighty presence of God comes, or that peace comes, or your body just feels like it's on fire, or whatever the Holy Spirit is doing at that moment, what is he going to say? He's going to talk to you about Jesus. He's not going to talk to you about himself. He's going to talk to you about Jesus. And he's going to tell you about this amazing saviour called Jesus. 
He's not going to talk to you about church. The message of the gospel is not join my church, grow my church, make my church bigger. We've got a better church than the church down the road. The message of the gospel is Jesus. The message of our lives is Jesus. He's the only one that you need to find the other side of that noise for. The Holy Spirit is going to tell you about how wonderful Jesus is and how much Jesus loves you and how much Jesus cares for you and how why Jesus was willing to die for you because he loved you that much. And he's going to tell you about the power that resides in Jesus and the wisdom that resides in Jesus and the life that resides in Jesus. He's going to do that. And he's going to talk about Jesus and he's going to talk about Jesus and keep on talking about Jesus for eternity. Because he's the only thing worth talking about. And when you get Jesus, you get all of the answer. Be still and know that I am God. This is the confidence that we have in him. That we know him and we know he hears our prayers and we have what we have asked for. Why? Because he's Jesus. And if you're going to go on this journey, you're going to discover the most amazing person that you could ever hope to see. Who will love like you've never been loved before. Who will care like you've never been cared for before. Who will stand and fight for you like nobody has fought for you. He'll be there. You want the answer to your problem? The answer is Jesus. You want your enemies dealing with? Your answer is Jesus. You want that sickness to go? Your answer is Jesus. But he's so much more than just the answer. He's the person. And you're going to find the other side of that silence. You're going to find the Holy Spirit. And he's going to talk to you about Jesus. And he's going to talk to you about Jesus. And he's going to talk to you about Jesus. And you are going to discover that there is beauty like you have never encountered before. And there's life and there's peace like you have never encountered before. Holy Spirit's finished with that. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let's just stand. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Praise you. Praise you. Thank you. Praise you. Let's just start to give God thanks. Let's just get, start to talk to, to Jesus, to talk to the Holy Spirit. To, just talk to the three in one. Just don't get hung up on who you're talking to, but just thank him, praise him, glorify him. Lord, we thank you. We glorify you. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you. Lord, that prayer that I prayed before, you, you just stir that hunger up. You just stir that hunger up.
I want to know you. I want to know you in the way your word talks about you. I want to know you as a real, real, real person that, that is just there. There in my room. There in my heart. There around me and in me and through me. Jesus, all in all. I ask, you know, I give up my agendas for you, Jesus. You, you have them. Holy Spirit, you're doing a really good job of wrecking my preaches. Carry on. Just keep doing it. Lord, help us to learn and relearn and, and just discover the things that you have purposed in our hearts. Purposed in our hearts last week, but purposed in our hearts 15 years ago or 20 years ago, wherever you purposed them. Holy Spirit, come, come, come more than you've ever come before. Where we are dull of hearing, just help us, Holy Spirit. Where we can't get ourselves up and going, help us, Holy Spirit. Where our lives are just too busy and we can't see how we've got any time for you, help us, Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to just get rid of the noise. And to find you, to find Jesus and give him all the glory. Him all the glory. Just Jesus. Just Jesus, not faith life, not, not my ministry, not anything else we're doing, not any activities, not any church. Jesus gets all the glory. Let that be true, Lord. Let that be true. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.